0: Welcome to Man Talk, everything you wanted to know about men's health, but were afraid to ask. Hi, thanks for tuning in to Man Talk, the show that attempts to answer your personal questions with qualified professionals on a variety of subjects that concern most of our listeners. My name is Stuart, the voice of reason, along with my brilliant co-host, Michael, the voice of choice. We will inform, educate, make you laugh, and give you insight into the sometimes complicated world of men's health. You're not alone out there in what you're experiencing or feeling. There's a band of brothers out there going through the same stuff. So listen up, guys and gals, and get ready to learn, live, and enjoy your life. And above all, try to flush those cares away. We want to welcome back Dr. Snow Slade, who was with us last week. Dr. Slade is a leading ophthalmologist here in St. George. Dr. Slade, for those in our audience who weren't with us last week, please tell us about your background and your current practice.
1: Um, well, I grew up in uh, eastern Arizona, a small town, rural town, uh, Arizona. Then uh, found my way through uh, medical school and, and um, residency. I did my eye training at the University of Utah at the John Moran Eye Center, and then have been here in St. George practicing as a glaucoma specialist for seven years.
2: Uh. <clears throat> Excuse me, Doctor Slade. Last week we uh, talked about several issues related to eyes and aging, uh, dry eyes, macular degeneration, probably were the two big ones. Today we want we thought we'd focus on the two very important and serious issues: glaucoma and cataracts. Uh, we know that you specialize
1: in glaucoma. What can you tell us about this disease? It, glaucoma is a, a disease um, that affects a lot of people. It's most likely to occur in persons um, older than the age of 60. Um, about 3 million Americans suffer from glaucoma. Um, we know that African Americans are five times more likely to develop glaucoma. Um, and, of course, um, as we know, it's, it's a blinding disease at its, at its end stage. So um, it's a disease that affects uh, a part of the eye that we call the optic nerve. And, and for those that have... Um, Well, for those that have a genetic propensity or or other eye disease, uh, could develop it. And it's usually a slowly um, progressive disease um, that uh, does have some, uh, uh, while there's no cure for it, there are some great treatments that can prevent it from getting worse.
2: How do you diagnose it? Um, it Or or I guess even before that, what are the symptoms that would make someone think they had it?
1: Yeah, the scary thing about um, glaucoma is you may not even know you have it until it's very advanced. So it's usually a uh, uh, slowly progressive vision loss that affects the periphery so is it because it happens so slowly you may not notice it over you know over months over years that it's just slowly fading until it can get uh, more central and then you notice I have a patient or two every year that come in and say I suddenly lost vision you know in the last you know last few days but it's obvious from looking at their you know doing an eye exam that this has been going on for years they just suddenly noticed it as it's gotten you know to its it's you know its end stage.
0: I can speak to that because I've been treated for glaucoma for about forty years now. Um, my treatment really consists of taking eye drops once and twice a day once in each eye and um, it's been held in check. Uh, Dr. Slade checks my they call it checking the pressure in your eye and I guess that has something to do with it and as long as it stays below a certain number they they figure it's in check so.
1: Is that one that they do blow you blow a little something in the eye yeah yeah there's a number of different ways to check eye pressure one of the older ways is to do it I've actually never seen that but I think <laughs> oh we're like dinosaurs seems- <laughs> to him <laughs> I think it's actually more common in op- optometric pras- uh, practices but and in, in the, there's a couple of ways that perhaps are better than, than the uh, air puff as they call it but yeah it, measuring eye pressure is is a way that we help monitor um, um, monitor progression of the disease. Um, eye pressure in and of itself is doesn't isn't a way to diagnose glaucoma. There's a lot of people with higher blood or higher higher eye pressure. I should say they don't have glaucoma, and conversely, there's a lot of people with low eye pressures that can still develop glaucoma. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of confusion out there. I think patients tend to think of it in terms of uh, how they think of their blood pressure. Um, there's a certain normal parameter. As long as you're normal, you don't have high blood pressure. But if that's not the case with the glaucoma. Um, if you have high eye pressure, you're more likely to get glaucoma. But again, that doesn't, you know, that's, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're gonna, you know, that you have glaucoma. And like I said, vice versa. So the way you diagnose glaucoma is not by eye pressure per se. That's one of the many things that we look. But it's really an exam. And uh, there's several different tests that we can get to help us in that diagnosis, but it's it's a it's it's a clinical diagnosis.
2: So if a patient comes in and has no complaints about their vision and they're just say coming in for an eye exam, an annual eye exam, uh, you would automatically, routinely,
1: not automatically, routinely do. I, uh, or glaucoma? Yeah, well, I do an eye exam, which would include looking at the optic nerve or the head of the optic nerve, which is where you'd have some indication if they have glaucoma or not. So, and you,
2: so you'd see enough from a routine exam
1: that would take you into some further correct. Yep. investigation. Correct. And then at that point, we'd get some tests that would uh, help us confirm what, we, what we're seeing.
0: Is it hereditary? Because my mother had it, and my sister currently has it. So I guess, uh, does is it carried by the female or... How does that work?
1: I don't know that we know. Um, I don't think it runs along um, gender lines, but it does run, um, it does run in families. It does. Uh, in fact, it's very, um, um, there's a very strong genetic uh, component to it. So if you have a family history of glaucoma, it's something that I would say I'd recommend in your forties to, to start getting looked at. So uh, we we can catch it early. Glaucoma is one of those things if you catch it early and start treatment early, generally it's not a big deal. It's as it progresses and if it's not being treated or as it's you know if, if it's if it's progressing untreated um sometimes it's harder to slow down or you can't slow it down at all 10 percent of people even when treated will continue to lose vision and go blind so but 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 anecdotally in my experiences if you get on it so, you know sooner than later it's it tends to be something that you can control and and stay on top of
2: and as uh Stuart said he controls with drops a couple times a day is that the typical treatment? Yeah, so there's... That's, that's pretty, pretty easy treatment.
1: Yeah, so there's three different, different um, ways we can treat uh, glaucoma. Drops is, is the most common by far, um, especially in the U.S. where we start treatment with drops. Um, but the next category would be laser, um, where we can treat um, the, uh, the natural drain of the eye. So we stimulate it to, to try to um, um, drain fluid from the eye better and lower the eye pressure. And then the third way would be surgery, and there's a variety of surgeries that are available to to control eye pressure and and slow its progression. In Europe, um, they typically start with the laser. So laser, then drops, then surgery, whereas...
0: So is glaucoma really talking about... um uh, treating it, I mean, is there a liquid in the eye that's preventing
1: it from being released, or what's happening with that? Yeah, so that's a good question: is the faucet on too high, or is yeah. the drain drain plugged up? It's thought is that we um, it's thought is that we age the drain is actually the problem, so the fluid's unable to get out of the eyes as well. That drain we call the trabecular meshwork, and we think that as a what we, the, <laughs> the trabecular meshwork. Oh, I got it. Got it. Yeah. And then as we um, as we age, um, the ability for that part of the body to, to filter fluid um, is reduced. So the treatments are are, are geared towards that part. Um, well, a lot of the treatments I should say are geared towards that that part of the uh, the body. But the medications can do a couple of things. They can um, they can slow down the production of fluid in the eye, or like I said, they can they can affect that part of the body and, and enhance the the, uh, the filtering. From the eye
0: do the medications have any side effects
1: um, they, they can and, and, you know medications I heard Michael say medication seem, seems easy and for most people it really is but for some people it's um, um, they develop an intolerance to it some people even have an allergy to it for some people trying to remember to put a drop in their eye you know even once mm-hmm. a day is just it's just beyond what they're able to do um, and in those people we turn to usually laser like I said and then and then there's other other treatments there but but yet, um, and there's a lot of there's a lot of medications out there now. A lot of new ones, even in the last, I'd say, in the last year, that have come out that um, that are you know changing the way we treat um, uh, glaucoma, at least um, with, with medication.
0: Are people with blue or brown eyes more susceptible?
1: Um, no, not not. I, I guess I don't think a glaucoma like that, like perhaps other eye diseases. You know, um, certainly persons with uh, of. of with darker, uh, darker skin, African-Americans are, are more likely to get uh, glaucoma than those, um, why, why, those. Why is that? I think it's the genetics, a genetics thing. I don't know of any other reason outside of that.
0: Yeah. I know you treat uh, pro bono. You go to Africa every year or every few years or something to treat patients that have having eye trouble. And if you go to Dr. Slade's office, you see these wonderful photographs that he's taken of... People he's treated now um, are, are those folks? Um, I mean, what kind of treatments? And are those mostly glaucoma operations you're doing?
1: We do a variety of things. Um, um, glaucoma, a lot of them are glaucoma, and uh, the vast majority of them are cataract, cataracts or cataracts.
2: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Anecdotally, there wasn't there always a lot of talk about uh, marijuana being. A treatment for glaucoma yeah. Michael
0: you use marijuana for all kinds of treatments no. I
2: gave that up a long time ago <laughs> now that it's legal it's yeah, no fun. No big deal no fun no but but seriously that was always talked about wasn't
1: it yeah well it still is I mean it's still very much part of the discourse I have patients come in every day asking about you know you know the, the potential um, the potential benefits of using uh, marijuana um, and I, I guess it's somewhat controversial still, but um it it's not controversial in among eye care professionals there is you know it is it is discouraged to use in treatment of glaucoma and there's you know regardless of what side politically you're on there's there's no doctor that would recommend that. Um, the only form that we know it does lower eye pressure, but the only form that we know that does that is the inhalation form mm-hmm. and the uh, the half- life of that is so quick that you'd have to be inhaling the inhaling it you know. Pretty much nonstop. To, so you couldn't to eat have a brownie. To, you could eat a brownie to get rid of your glaucoma. Correct. No, I think someday there'll be a formulation of it that, that makes sense for glaucoma. But right now, that there there isn't any.
2: Well, you would uh, think that with all so many states having medicinal marijuana, there's more and more research into
0: well, certain diseases, but certain
2: applications. But gla- glaucoma was always discussed. It was. It was, it was like cancer. It
1: was all yeah, well, and it, and it still is. Yeah. It still is. So another one that's come up is CBD oil. Yeah, some yeah. say, well, is that's that for everything? Right. Yeah, it fixes everything. There was actually a study that just came out, and this was just this was something. Um, I'm not sure how, how solid of a study it was, but it actually came out saying that it may be actually detrimental to glaucoma. Really? So a little bit counterintuitive there, but uh, so no, no, no hard leads on the way that uh, marijuana is going to going to help glaucoma. Okay,
2: but it'll help your appetite probably. It yeah, probably will. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that your appetite has much to do with glaucoma.
0: How about um, costs? I mean, does insurance cover the uh, cost? Does Medicare typically pay for uh, services and procedures?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I yeah. think we were talking about that before the show a little bit about how I think there's this misconception that that uh, insurance doesn't pay for eye care, and it it, it absolutely does. Um, in fact, Medicare, most of my patients are on you know Medicare or some form of, of Medicare, but even the pri- the private commercial payers will cover anything, you know any eye related. That's, that's good to problems. know. I'm not, yeah.
2: sure. I'm not sure that we always thought that. Yeah, I don't believe I ever had eye care insurance uh, till Medicare.
1: Yeah. well, even your even your if you had insurance prior to that, they'll cover your eye yeah. your eye problems as well. Yeah. They're not going to cover, like I said, routine eye exams and cover the cost of glasses, but they'll cover, you know, they'll cover eye problems, eye uh, pathology, issues.
2: Yeah. Yep. Stuart, I think that we have, uh, you have some questions, some email questions. And okay. you know what, the questions—if
0: you want to send your questions in, you, send, do you send them. Where you send to to your questions? In? Questions at MantalkRadio.net.
2: And we do try to get our doctor experts answering any questions that do come in. We will try to get answers back to everybody.
0: Well, here's a question, Michael, if you'd want one. We have an email question today, and this one is from Beth in Cincinnati. And Beth writes, quote, My husband is 67 and was recently diagnosed with glaucoma. We are doing a deep dive and researching everything we can about this subject. What questions should we be asking his ophthalmologist? That's a
1: good question. Um, the... Um, things that you should be asking your ophthalmologist. First of all, I don't know that uh, a deep dive should affect the glaucoma. I've never heard um, um, anything either way on that. Um, I, I doubt you would be diving for a long enough a period where it would affect the glaucoma um, if it did have any detrimental effect. But the questions you should be asking your, your uh, glaucoma doctor are um, the severity of the glaucoma, um, one thing that might, you know, as I, th- I kind of think through this out loud here, one thing that might or caution I might give your husband would be if it's very advanced glaucoma, maybe just avoid uh, any risk of, of what a deep dive might do um, um, altogether. And then... Um, um, how it might affect your, your 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 treatments. You need to make sure when one thing that comes up frequently with traveling is patients forget their medications, mm-hmm. especially if they change time zones. It comes up, you know, when do I take my medication? And so make sure even when you're when you're on vacation and you're out traveling that you're you're making your 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 treatment. And the biggest thing is follow up. Make sure the thing about glaucoma is it can usually be. Um, it can almost always be slowed down at the very least. Um, but if you go and you forget to follow up then, and, and, and you lose vision, uh, any vision loss from glaucoma can't be returned, so you always want to stay ahead of it. So is That's it a, a six-month uh, visit that is recommended? It depends on the severity of glaucoma. So the, my patients that have severe glaucoma, I'll see them as, as frequently as every couple of months. And then I, 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 I spread it out from there based on how well-controlled I think it is or the severity of it. Uh, we have another email question from
2: Harry, Harry from Denver. Harry writes, I was just diagnosed with the start of a glaucoma. I'm 76 years old. My doctor said that this can cause blindness if left untreated. What are my treatment options? Now, yeah. I think we did talk about it. Yeah, we did. Yeah, I we think, did. Yeah.
1: And I'll, I'll mention those again, medications, um, laser, and then there's surgery What we haven't really talked about it, is surgery. And this has come a long ways, even since I left training seven years ago. Um we think of, you know, traditionally we think of glaucoma surgeries as, as some type of filtering procedure, which were typically pretty big eye surgeries, which I still do a fair amount of. But in the last several years, we've, we've um, developed a new genre of medicine or of, of surgeries that we call minimally invasive glaucoma surgery. And these um, are just what it says. It's minimally invasive. So we can put little stents. We can go into the tiny little space of the drain, what we call Schlem's canal, and actually expand it and open it up. In fact I think of it a lot like um um heart heart procedures now. We go in, expand the, the disease vessel and stent it open. Hmm. And in glaucoma we can do a similar thing. So the recovery is 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 no different really than, you know, straightforward cataract surgery. In fact we combine it with cataract surgery many times and the patient doesn't really know the recovery is no different than it would be which is cataract surgery. And how
0: long is that typical of recovery?
1: Uh, usually a couple of days if that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know if they have to wear a shield or a patch and they don't. It's 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 um, just a few days to, to recover.
2: Well, we were going to switch topics and talk about cataracts. So why don't we, uh, maybe start with what are cataracts exactly? How do we know we have them and what do we do about
1: them? Yeah. A cataract is a change of the, uh, the God given lens. So it's one structure in our eye. Um, and as we, as we get a little bit older, that, that structure starts to change, starts to have the opacities and, and, and makes it so that uh, we can't see well through it. So we would see that as blurry vision, or a lot of people will say glare and halo at night, depending on where the opacities lie in the eye. Um, patients will often feel like they need more and more light to be able to read, to be able to see. Um, super it common. Have, have an effect on near or far-sighted or reading glasses? Then? Not necessarily, no. As the cataract gets bigger and bigger, people tend to get more near-sighted with it. So it can be a sign of... Uh, nearsightedness can be a sign of uh, cataracts, but not necessarily. Super common. Age of 65 is when people come in. I would say on average 65, they come in and say, my vision is just not what it used to be. And it's almost always, always cataract that's causing that.
0: You know, my vision over the years, um, I just started wearing a reading glass over the counter 1.25, but I used to wear glasses for distance. I was nearsighted for movies and driving and things like that. Now my eyes have a have gotten better in that area where I don't need glasses for distance and movies and driving. And, um, does that usually change
2: like that? You don't drive a lot.
0: I have a chauffeur.
1: (laughs) That's why you don't need glasses. (laughs) Um, it can change. It can change. I don't, um, I don't think of the change that you had is actually in the opposite direction I was thinking of, but, uh, (laughs) but it can change like that. Okay. Uh,
2: Good. So um, I understand that there's different ways cataracts used to, Well, I remember when my mom had cataracts and all of a sudden she, she didn't need reading glasses and you know, I'm using reading glasses and she's not using them and she's 30 years older than me. And then at some point after maybe 15, 20 years, she's needed reading glasses again. So are there the lenses that you put in or is this like you're replacing uh, an you're putting an artificial cataract and replacing a
1: natural one? Right. Well, so the, the cataract is your lens. So we're taking out the natural lens of the eye and replacing it with a clear prosthetic lens. And I get that question all the time, Was is this, is this permanent, doctor? And the answer is the lens isn't going to change. It's an inanimate, you know, it's a piece of acrylic material. You pull it out,
2: pull it, take it in and out.
1: Yeah. So it's not going to change, but the eye around it. Could change, so you know after a you know a dozen years or so, the the eye could change enough to where the effect of that lens is um is is not the same. And that, I understand that might explain what happened to your mom. I'm sorry. Yeah.
2: And I I understand that now that depending on people's vision, they can have mono vision cataracts. Yeah. So there's a lot of have different. They don't have to be the same prescription, I guess. Yeah. There's the a
1: eye. lot of options out there. You're, you're mentioning mono vision where you set one of your eyes for distance and the other eye you actually set it for near. And that, that can um, that can help a lot of people, so they don't need to use readers. Right. So this is a big this is a big, um, should I say, a big topic in, in ophthalmology and in the eye world of how do we get how do we get people to see both distance and near without needing glasses? Um, incidentally, just this last week uh, there was a new lens that came out that that um, um, is better suited to give um, vision at all those levels: distance, intermediate, and near. Uh, we've been trying to do this for decades and decades, and we've, you know, we've been s- somewhat successful with it. There's a new lens that came out. It's called Panoptics, which is the first trifocal lens um, available in the U.S. and the FDA just just approved it. And in fact, I've put my first uh, several in just well in the last couple of days. So the verdict's still out, but uh, one of my patients this morning was already 20/20 in the distance and 20/20 up close, and I'm super happy. Needs to so be to if surgery, it's a trifocal. So. How, how does, that, how does it's, it's a little bit different than the trifocal we, we think of when we see glasses, so it doesn't work quite the same. Trifocal, it's trifocal in the sense that it'll give you three, kind of three, it has three focal points for vision, distance, intermediate, and up close. But you don't have to... It's not up, like you looking don't have up to, straight, right, or down. You don't have to move your head around to find those <laughs> <no> spots. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Interesting. Yep. And is that...
0: I remember, Diane, my wife, had uh, cataract surgery up in Salt Lake before we got to know you, but um, the cost of it was different in other words i think medicare or insurance will pay for a typical cataract replacement but then if you want to go to monovision or the things you're just discussing i don't i think that's not covered is that true
1: and, and that's true insurance will pay for what i call standard surgery with a standard lens so standard surgery is just manual surgery the surgeon using their hands to do the surgery and the, and the standard lens is a monofocal lens so typically we set it for distance or up close you choose most people go for distance but uh, monofocal, or I'm sorry, monovision would be covered with the standard lens with what insurance would, uh, with what insurance covers. So that right. that depending on the eye, um, that can be covered. But you're right; these lenses I mentioned, like the Panoptics, it, it wouldn't be covered. You there's an increased there, there's an extra cost outside of what insurance covers for.
2: And those that would lens. be you would expect those to be better, or you just don't know they're newer.
1: Well, I, I um, they're newer. You're right. I I, I I expect it to be newer, but it is. Uh, or sorry, expect it to be better. Um, right now, I don't know for sure, but I, so these, this lens has actually been available throughout the rest of the world um, over the last five years. So Europe's had it for five years. Canada's had it for five years. And it's the number one selling um, presbyopic correcting, meaning that it gives you good near vision and distance vision in the world. Um, I just saw a statistic that uh, they did a survey three years after these lenses were put in. Um, they did a survey of 127 people one hundred and twenty-six. Only one said they would not put that lens back in their eyes. So and they didn't. And they and they could. They didn't need readers or distance.
2: They were correct. They were okay for either. Yep. Interesting. Because I, I I have monovision contacts. I've had them probably for five years, and they're very easy to get used to. Um, uh-huh. You know, I guess as the day goes on, my I gets tired. The reading one is a little harder to, but for the most of the day, it's you know it works just fine. So I could roll from that into either this
1: new, Pana Panoptics. panoptics, or, or monovision, or continue cataract. with monovision. Yeah, you could you could build the effect that you're getting with contacts right into, right into your eyes with cataract surgery. And as
2: an ophthalmologist, you you simply replace these. You buy them some of the cataracts to a prescription from a third-party
1: supplier, or do you actually make these cataracts? Yeah, we don't make them. there, are, And there's several different companies um, that make these lenses. So we have a consignment of these lenses. And um, we, we take measurements on your eye to know which lens best fits your eye. And then that's the lens put in.
0: How long does a typical cataract operation take?
1: Takes, uh, on average, probably about 15 minutes. Sometimes a little less, sometimes a little more. Well, what's the recovery Uh-oh. until you can just walk
2: out and see and drive? And-
1: yeah, so I tell my patients um, the day after the day of surgery and probably the next day, it's a little blurry, it's a little scratchy. But um, and some people even the next day are seen tremendously better. And for some people it takes, a, you know, a few days longer than that. But I don't consider the, the vision settled in somebody's after cataract till, surgery till at the earliest three weeks. But, but typically they're seen much better well before the three weeks. So can
0: you, for instance, go swimming or play pickleball or do any extra kind of curricular activities while you're going through the recovery?
1: Absolutely. The only one I don't want you to do is swim. I don't want I don't want you in any dirty water. But if you want to go play pickleball, half hour after your surgery, I'm I'm okay with that. I don't know if you'll wanna feel play, like I want
2: to play you for money because you won't be able to see Stuart.
1: I'll
0: still beat you uh, anyway. I don't
2: think so. And I'll play lefty. I don't think so. Oh, I am lefty. You won't be able to drive there either.
0: You know, a typical funny story. My father had cataract surgery. I think he was about ninety-two. So he. Drives to the surgeon, and the nurse asked him, "Mr. Simon, how did you get here? Did someone drive you?" And knowing my father, he said, "Yeah, of course." So they do the operation, and his car was parked across the street that he drove, and he drove himself home at the same after that <laughs> operation.
2: <laughs> that was him. Well, we just have a little bit of time left, Doctor Slade. Can you tell our listeners how to contact you uh, to make an appointment with your practice?
1: Name your practice, where you're at. Yep. About it. I'm at I'm just, yep, I'm at the St. George Eye Center. It's on Riverside Drive here in, in St. George, Utah. There's uh, myself, Dr. Hendricks, and then uh, Dr. Bahanan, and we all have different specialties. Mine is, like I said, is glaucoma. The address is 617 East Riverside Drive. We're um, on the bottom floor, and the phone number is 435 628 4507.
2: Very good. Well, thank you, Dr. Slade, for joining us for the second straight week.
0: Very informative. I think uh, people should be aware, get their eyes checked. You only have one set, so take care of them.
2: Stuart, what do we say? Be healthy. Be happy, and we'll see you next week. Well, actually, we'll hear you next week. Well, actually, you'll hear us next week.
1: The information presented in this program is provided for general information purposes only and is not, nor is it intended to be, nor is it a substitute for professional medical advice and treatment. This program is not meant to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease or injury. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you've heard on this program you should always consult a doctor or other health care provider for individual professional medical advice regarding your own health situation.
2: This program is a production of Mantalk Radio, LLC. Copyright Mantalk Radio, LLC, 2019, all rights reserved. We're Michael and Stuart with Mantalk on Radio St. George 100.3 FM. Submit your questions ahead of time to questions at mantalkradio.net. Re-listen or watch again, search Facebook, YouTube, iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher for Radio St. George or RadioStGeorge.com. We'll see you next week for another edition of Man Talk.